Hi, you are now listening to a sermon from Harvest Community Church in Hoffman Estates, Illinois. Today you will hear a sermon from Pastor Dave Lee, so without further ado, here he is. Good morning, Harvest. It feels like it's been a long time since I've taken the pulpit. I've just been off for a couple weeks as Pastor Frank and Pastor Stan graciously gave me a break. And now that I'm back in front of the camera, it feels weird all over again, so I hope you'll bear with me this morning. I want to share a message with you this morning called Passing the Baton. And I want to tell you a quick story of how this message was born. A couple weeks ago, while we were praying for the young adults and the next generation at our church, Jeannie said something in her prayer that really gripped my mind and my heart, and it stayed with me ever since. It's really the reason this sermon was born. She said that the young adults in our church that we were pretty much the same age as them when we began the work of building Harvest 25 years ago. And so I did the math and I realized, my goodness, I was only 27 years old when we started this church. And Jeannie was only two years older than Noah is right now when we began the work, Answer the Call, to build this church so long ago. And that blew my mind because I realized that We felt this sense of calling and destiny, and we rose to it. We believed God was calling us to do something significant for Him in our generation. And there was this excitement and this terror all at the same time about what we were undertaking to do. And it's just really fired up in me a recommitment for the next generation in our church. Because I want the next generation to experience and to get to live through the same kind of things we live through when we're breaking new ground and laying the foundation for the church that you're a part of today. I I still remember that real heavy sense of responsibility and honor that God had given to us when we heard the call to build a church for our generation. I hope that the next generation gets to experience something like that in your lifetime. You know, the passage that Lefay just read for us, Psalm 78, verses 1 through 7, it really carries a great reminder for us that faith has always been passed along from generation to generation. That one generation faithfully told the one after them, this is who God is, this is what He has done. And in the background of that testimony, that next generation stood up and answered their call from God as well. When I was younger, I ran uh, on the track team. I ran the 1,600-meter relay as one of my events. And I think this image of passing a baton from one runner to the next is a beautiful metaphor for what happens between generations. That each runner, they run the same long race, but each runs a different leg of it. And as the one runner is coming to the end of his lap, he hands a baton as if to say, I've done my part. My part of this race is over. Yours is just beginning. Here's the mantle of responsibility, the call to do your best. And, you know, I think that's the way that we should be handing off the faith and the church and our very lives or families, the businesses we build, everything that we accumulate and achieve over a course of a lifetime for Christ is handed off to the next generation. So I want to give a word this morning to those who are older And then I want to give a word to those who are younger. The older generation, that's my generation, and then the younger generation that's coming up. So to the older generation, I want to say, 
pass the baton. Simply that, pass the baton. When we look at Psalm 78, and we look especially at verses 2 to 6, you see a really clear picture of this passing on of the faith from one generation to the next. In verse 3, it says um, that what the psalmist is passing on is something that his ancestors passed on to him. And then in verse 4, it says, and so we will tell the next generation. And then in verse 6, it says, the children yet to be born will also know, and they in turn would tell their children. So you have this really beautiful picture of faith in God and experience in a lifetime lived for God, forming what we call a testimony. And this is a precious thing which each generation hands to the one that comes after, so that in a perpetual cycle, a never-ending cycle, each successive generation would come to know who this God is, and that that God would speak to them a sense of calling and destiny for their lifetimes as well. The testimony we leave, though, is more than just words. In fact, if all we get from someone older than us is words, and there is not a life built up around those words, then they become empty words. And rather than helping, empty words actually destroy faith in us. And so the testimony that we pass along to the next generation is not just the words we stand for, but the lives we've actually built around what those words represent, the God that they point to and the truths that those words reveal to us about our lives. And so the sum total of everything that we've built over the course of a lifetime of following and serving and worshiping God That is the legacy, that's the testimony which each generation has the privilege of passing on to the next one that comes up behind them. Now, I'll be the first to tell you uh, at age 50, nearly 53 here, that with age comes a lot of diminishing. A lot of things disappear or become less over time. But I've also been encouraged to discover that as we get older, some things increase in our lives. You know, I think about some of the things that grow with age. There's things like wisdom or experience or just knowledge. I can't believe how many things I know that I didn't when I was younger. There's a lot of accomplishments where I feel like, you know, so many of the, the check boxes in my lifetime list checked off already. I've been able to experience and accomplish so many things. I, I grow in influence and power in my networks. I know more people now than I did when I was younger, and I have more resources. I'm not a wealthy man by any stretch, but I have far more resources than I ever imagined I would at this point of my life. And so as I've gotten older, God has allowed some things to diminish in my life, but other things He's poured in more and more, so that on one level, I am becoming greater and greater with age, having more and more. And it's this excess, this surplus of wealth of other things that I've accumulated by God's grace over the course of my life. That's what I want to give away to the next generation. I think that's the same heart that so many people have, especially if we're parents. But I want to, I want to make a note of this. How we give away that accumulated testimony of our lives, how we give that away to the next generation is very important. What we don't want to do is just hand them a finished work and say, here, here's everything we did for you. Now just enjoy it and don't mess it up. It feels to me sometimes like that's the message we're sending is, we did all the hard work, we did everything important and significant, now just don't lose it. 
And, and here's what I noticed. When I was running the 1600-meter relay, if the three... I, I ran the anchor lap, by the way, because, you know, I mean, respect. But I ran the last leg of the race, and if the three guys before me had done such a good job that they just blew the other teams out of the water, I noticed that I just took a slow jog. It was like a victory lap, and I just phoned it in. But if I saw that it was a neck-and-neck neck race and my lap made a difference, that there still was something at stake based on how I ran, I found that I ran with much greater intensity and a sense of urgency because my running mattered. And I hope that's the way that we will hand over everything to the next generation. Not as if to say everything important has already been done by us. You just don't lose it and don't mess it up. That's not at all the message we want to send. But to say, we've done our part, set an example, and left behind certain things that will be very useful and helpful to you. But God has for you your own mission, your own calling for your lifetime. We want to give you a little bit of help and encouragement. But what you do with your life still matters a great deal, and the stakes remain very, very high. I think the image of a booster rocket is really helpful here. When you think about just the task of taking something that large and heavy and breaking free of the Earth's gravitational pull, what you see is an immense amount of power is required to break the hold of gravity on that vessel. But as soon as the rocket has achieved the breaking of, of, of escape velocity, basically, and is in outer space, broken free of the gravitational pull of Earth, the booster rockets separate and they fall away. And I think that's such a great picture of the way the generations work. I believe our generation was called to do something significant in establishing a church that didn't exist. And we didn't just do that for a, a couple hundred people. We really did that as representatives of a generation emerging that needed examples to follow and places to worship that were different than the churches our parents were building for us. We answered that call, and I think it has touched many lives beyond just those who attend Harvest every Sunday. And that was our mission, was just to take what was a church that we couldn't grow in and establish a whole new work, a whole new kind of church. And that is what you are a part of today. It's the fruit of two and a half decades of very hard work answering that call. But the truth is, that was my generation's mission. And I think for the most part, we've done a fairly good job of, of being faithful to God. But there's a lot that we are not equipped to do, that we cannot do. And so as the, the, the booster rockets fall away, there's still a crew and a payload. There is a part of the rocket that remains. And that part has a mission of its own. The booster rockets were incredibly important. And their job is to break free of Earth. But if they hadn't done their job and fallen away, then the crew and the payload that remains could not do their important mission. And while everybody focuses on what the crew does in outer space, they would never find themselves there had it not been for the propelling force of those booster rockets that did their job, broke free, and fell back to Earth. To me, that is a compelling picture of the role that my generation now must play. I still believe we have many good building years left. I'm not, not, I'm not telling you that I'm ready to just lay down and, and give up now. But as we continue to build, I believe God is calling us 
to be much more intentional about passing on the baton of calling and responsibility and even leadership to the next generation. I know it's tempting to also weigh down the next generation with the weight and burden of our own struggles and our doubts and our regrets. And it's, I don't think we should be dishonest with the next generation, but they're going to face struggles and doubts and regrets of their own. And rather than weighing them down with the burdens of our difficulties, I would prefer that we as an older generation would tell them as honestly as we are able of the goodness and the greatness and the worthiness of God that we experienced and saw during our lifetime. Tell them the stories of what it was like when things were new and fresh and we were so motivated to serve God and how He showed up again and again and proved to us that He is so real that to this day, after all the things we've been through, we still hold by faith onto Him. We can't stop believing in Him because He has never stopped believing in us and He has revealed Himself to us enough that we have no, no real ability to just walk away from Him. He has done that for us. And I want us to tell the next generation that that's the God that we serve. If you're a parent, the most obvious implication of this is that we want to do this for our own children. But I don't want us to stop there. I'm calling on every older adult in our church to also hear God's calling on you and your life to make a real investment in the life of younger adults around you. It's possible that you have entered a, an echo chamber, a very narrow world where almost everybody you interact with is pretty much in your age group. And I understand why that happens, but I want to wake us up as older people to say, let's really take note of the exceptional, incredible younger adults that God has put in our church. I've had such an interesting uh, opportunity over this COVID lockdown to have meaningful conversations with the younger members of our church in ways that I really didn't have before all of this happened. And I don't know why that's the case, but I've really enjoyed those conversations. And I've, I've done more listening than talking, which is rare for me. And as I listen, I'm astounded at the depth, the sophistication, the clarity and conviction the raw passion, just the capacity of these young people. And I remember that that's how I felt about myself, like full of potential, so full of energy. And I see that now in them. And I'm just so thankful God's taken the blinders off that these young people who I still remember when they were kids and we were helping to change their diapers, they are amazing younger adults now. Some of the people, even in their late 20s, their, their mid, mid-30s, um, I'm telling you, these are some of the most capable and exceptional people I've ever met. And so I hope that we as older adults will hear God's call to pass the baton and make an intentional investment in the next generation. Now that might look like mentoring, but I think it's much more than just giving advice. I think one of the most important things we can give is encouragement and even the challenge to take their mantle of responsibility and leadership. Give them permission and freedom, empowerment, to play their significant role in the kingdom of God in their lifetime. I could go on, but I'm going I'm to move on to the, the second thing. I want to give a word to those who are younger. And that word to those who are older really flowed out of Psalm 78, 1 through 7. I want to turn now to Ecclesiastes 12, 1 through 7. 
and offer a word to those who are younger. I urge you, if you are a younger adult or even a student, to take the baton that is being handed to you in the days ahead. You know, my generation faced a lot of challenges and we had a very clear sense of our calling, but it was never really easy. And this church you're a part of, which maybe has been around for as long as you've been alive, some of you who grew up at our church, I want you to know that it's the product of a lot of grace of God and an incredible amount of commitment and hard work and faith on the part of a lot of people. This church is a part of the baton being passed along to you. But let me be very clear about this. Your job is not simply to preserve what we built in our lifetimes for the Lord, but it is to use what we have built as a launch pad and for a place from which you can courageously hear God's call on your life. I don't want you to feel this responsibility to keep harvest going in its present form because that's what we made for you. We, this, this church that we built by the grace of God has served our generation and our spiritual needs tremendously. But I believe that you are now going to be called into a ministry context in a world that is changing so fast, I don't even recognize it. You're going to have to represent Christ in a world that is so different than the world that my generation grew up in. It's evolving at a pace I can't keep up with. And just when I begin to do thousands of pages of reading and get my, my head wrapped around just one edge, one, one branch of one issue, another big one comes slamming into my face and I, I'm just overwhelmed. There's a complexity I can't match. And what I'm saying to you if you are younger is you're going to have to navigate and represent Christ in a world that is so different than the world I knew. And I believe you are equipped and able to do that for God in ways that my generation just can't. That excites me. Because the future of the church is a little unclear to me. Not in that it's going to disappear. God will secure His church. But what form it's going to take. What ministry and the the testimony of Jesus and the gospel in this world will look like in the days ahead. I think that's largely up to your generation. And there's going to be a challenge on you to answer questions we never thought to ask. No one ever asked us these things. You're going to have to figure things out that I don't believe my generation can. I don't envy you, but I have confidence in you because you are equipped to do that if you will receive the baton that's being passed to you. I wish I could do a thorough study of Ecclesiastes 12 with you. I I don't think time allows for that, so I'm going to touch on it. In verse 1, here's what it says. Remember your Creator in the days of your youth. Before the days of trouble come and the years approach when you will say, I find no pleasure in them. See, the writer of Ecclesiastes is admonishing those who are young to remember God while they're young. Not to postpone that important thing and wait until they've done everything else and then attend to God in old age, but while you are still young, remember God. That word remember doesn't mean recall information you've forgotten. It means this, acknowledge God actively every step of the way. Now, 
He says that to the young because I think it is actually easier for the young to forget God than for the old. I say that maybe in part because the old, we're mindful of God because we're going to see him again very soon. Um, I am looking forward to that reunion with God. But I think a lot about the end of my life now, about the sunset of this earthly journey and uh, my legacy that I'm going to leave behind. But when I was younger, I didn't think about any of those things. I was on this epic quest for self-discovery and exploration. Uh, you know, the older people, we have a been there, done that sort of attitude. That's the spirit in us. And, and the truth is, we have been there, and we have done that. But the young, you have a, I want to go there, and I want to do that spirit. There's still so much that's new to you, and you're still trying to figure out what is this world around you, and who exactly are you, and what, is, what are you going to be about in your short run on this earth? I applaud that and I encourage that. I want you to be engaged in that epic journey of discovery and exploration. But I want to echo the words of the wise man who wrote Ecclesiastes and remind you, don't shed God along the way. Actively acknowledge God as part of that journey. In fact, not just as part of it, but as the author of that journey, the centerpiece of that journey. In the six verses that follow, in Ecclesiastes 12, verses 2 to 7, what you get is a depressing but almost hilarious picture of the way age diminishes a human being. Now, earlier I said there's a lot that we gain as we get older, but the reality is there's a lot that we lose along the way too. And this passage is just filled with poetic images of all the ways that as we grow older, we fade away, we become less, we lose things. Aging is a journey of loss. And much of what we lose is the vitality, the strength, the sharpness, the energy, the hunger and passion, the idealism that fueled so much of life when we were younger, like many of you are right now. I wish I could go through each of these images because they are, they are so funny and so poetic. I think verse 5, this phrase from verse 5 says it all. It says, the grasshopper drags himself along. And every time I read that phrase, I laugh out loud because so often physically, that's the way I feel now. Sometimes I'm sitting in a chair wishing I could get a glass of water, but I think how far away the kitchen is, I'm just like, you know what, I'll just be thirsty. My get up and go, got up and went. And at this age, that's so much of what I feel. But I still have memories of what it was like to be young and still have that drive, that passion in me. What a great time of life to give yourself fully to God and to acknowledge Him. While so much of what fades over time is still so strong in you and there's still so much of that welling up in you, what a great time for you to devote yourself to God and receive the baton and the testimony of the worthiness of God to be followed this way. I still remember I, very clearly what it felt like to be young and called by God. The, the way we worked to build harvest in the early years, I still have so many fond, vivid memories of the sacrifices and the sweat that was poured in by so many one of the legendary stories of our folklore as a, as a church is in the early years when we didn't have a finance team and the elders had to plan the budget. And, you know, because we were so new and resources were so limited, we agonized over every penny spent of the church's money. 
And so the elders, we would, we, all of us, including myself, we worked a full-time job in the corporate world or out in the marketplace. And then we, we began that annual budget planning meeting at 7 p.m. And for several years running, this was the story, is we would go excruciatingly line by line through all thousand plus lines of our budget deciding, should we do this or should we do that? And by the time we came up for air, it was five in the morning, the sun was coming up again, birds were chirping, and we finished the meeting, and we went to Denny's for breakfast. And the very next day, all of us had to go back to our full-time jobs without any sleep. I, I remember those days and the dedication of those brothers and I think that is such a, it was so hard, but it was so satisfying and gratifying to be so spent on a God who is worthy and on a cause we believed in. I don't say that to boast about what we did. I just, I, what I'm saying is I want you to experience that feeling, to not be handed this finished product and say, here, we did it all. I want you to know that in your lifetime, you're going to add some very significant pieces to that story. I want to show you a picture of us, a group of us, signing the original charter that began our church legally. I, I believe this was 96 or 97, nearly 25 years ago. I looked carefully at that photo and realized five people in that photo, including me, are still here, which is amazing to me. And as I look at that picture, those faces remind me of the stories of sacrifice and commitment and faith not just on the part of the elders, but so many people rolled up their sleeves and gave the best of themselves to Jesus for His sake and for the sake of their generation. The church that God used us to build is still, in my opinion, among one of the, the healthiest, finest churches I've ever been a part of or associated with. It can be a wonderful training ground for you if you're younger, and I'm not asking you to stay and keep building what we built, but I want this church to be a launch pad for you so you can hear clearly what God is dreaming for your life. I want to commit as an older generation to do much more to empower you and invite you to have a seat at the table, to take more important roles of responsibility and leadership even, so that you will see that what you contribute to the kingdom matters a great deal and that you have so much to offer. I also want you to know that it really is important for you to receive from us everything that we're trying to give you because there's still so much we can offer you. There's a lot of unnecessary frustration and pain we can spare you from if you would receive some of the wisdom and experience that we have to impart from two and a half decades of battling it out but there's also places where you're going to lead us because the world is changing and we can barely catch our breath. We need you to help us understand how the church must continue to evolve to meet the needs of a culture that is constantly changing and yet we still serve the same unchanging God in the midst of that. Our leg of the race is drawing to a close and yours is just beginning. And in my mind's eye, I can picture us collectively as an older generation handing a baton to you and saying, this is really yours now. It's your turn to run. It's my prayer and my, my real heartfelt hope that you would receive that baton. And just as we did 25 years ago, you would answer the call of God 
and pour yourselves out and be spent for the sake of Jesus. I'll, I'll close with this. Um, some time ago, I checked out a new show on Netflix called DC's Legends of Tomorrow. I got through one episode and decided I'm not going to watch anymore. But I'm thankful for that pilot episode because I was introduced to two characters that stayed with me ever since. They are the characters Professor Martin Stein and the young Jefferson Jackson. And what's so interesting about these two is that they together, in some supernatural way, merged to become one superhero called Firestorm. The younger of the two provides the strength and the physique and the raw passion that youth brings. But the older, the professor, is this disembodied voice inside of the younger who is a voice of reason and maturity and wisdom. And I think that is such a compelling picture for how the two generations can work together. And if you watch the show, they spend half of that episode arguing with each other because the, the, the generational gap is real and they both feel like, you just don't understand me. And when they're fighting each other, nothing works. But when they finally listen to each other, hear each other, value each other, and begin to work together, then that character, that single merged, fused character called Firestorm, is a far greater hero than the two of them together could ever be. It's the physical manifestation of this idea that the sum, that the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. I believe that is what we can be in the church when the two generations stop fighting and judging and rejecting one another and instead realize that each has something so important to contribute. And if we will really listen to each other, value each other, empower each other, even depend on each other, I really believe that what God can do through the generations in our church will shake the foundations of the world. I believe that the young people in our church are some of the most exceptional young people God has ever made. I still dream big dreams with the little kids that I still see running around because these fine young adults I see now were once those little babies running around the church and I see what God has done over the course of their lives. And I have such vision and hope for what the future holds. So I hope that we will do everything right in the passing of the baton, that the older generation will do that well and that the younger generation will receive it. I want us to sing a song together. Um, the praise team is going to lead us in a song that is a reminder to us of our commitment, the same commitment that binds all generations together. We will do very different things, but the one thing that unites us is we are all saying to God, we hear your voice, we see your worthiness, and we give you the best of our years and the best of our lives. We want to be your servants, and we want to be a sacrifice for you. Let's sing that song together, and when we're done, I'll return to give you the benediction. Receive the benediction. May the older generation at harvest be given God's grace to finish our leg of the race well. And may He give us the humility and the vision to pass the baton successfully to the next generation. And may the next generation that is coming up 
begin their leg of the race well. And by God's grace, take up the baton being passed to you and feel the holy heaviness of the calling God is giving you in your generation, in your lifetime, for a world that God loves. May you answer the call to represent Him in a changing world and do something significant for His glory that you will pass along to the generation coming up after you. May this be our great legacy as a church and as the people of God from generation to generation. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, be blessed now and forever. Amen. Thanks for listening to the sermon from Harvest Community Church. If you would like more information or have any questions or comments, check out our website at harvest-community.org. Thanks for listening.